From the gun again on first down. Fires wide. Juan Daniels, touchdown, Georgia. This is your favorite receiver, Juan Daniels. And you're listening to the DGD podcast with my man, Robert Reynolds. Go dogs. Welcome to a special Veterans Day episode of the DGD podcast. We have a plethora of big time names. Uh, guests talking veterans day obviously no no shows next week so we're doing it now and look i am glad to have these guys on to talk college football talk veterans day talk military stories all of that's happening today but without further ado look the show part of one top uh, on top sports and uh, sponsored by lots of rain watches more than just watches though you have glasses other accessories Check out law-terrain.com. Use code DGD at checkout. Get 10% off your purchase. Great watches. Love mine. I'm just letting you know that now. Without further ado, though, I'm going to welcome each guest here. We have, obviously, myself, Robert Reynolds, the NCDGD himself, Juan Daniels, Blaine Crane, producer of The J-Boy Show, Chris Milton, you might know that guy, and also another special guest that I didn't even bring up, surprise, Greg Blue. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. What's up, guys? How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Good, good, good. good. Talk college football, man. Hey, absolutely. Absolutely. Look, also, before we start talking college football and telling military stories, uh, this show today, uh, you're able to donate to uh, directly to the Wounded Warrior Project, so all proceeds go directly to that organization there. The link is in the chat where the brigade lies, so keep that in mind. Look, I'm going to let you know now, as a veteran myself, I'm going to let you know right now, You, if you see this, rip it, all right? Most military folks, if you've ever deployed, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but if you have not, monster bang, whatever you energy drink you drink has nothing on this. <laughs> I, I cannot make up how wired I was on deployments. It would get me through 12 hours. I wouldn't go to sleep. I would crash at 1 a.m. and I would take it at 6 in the morning. Just to let you know, that's strong-ass drink. But we're not here to talk about that just yet. We're going to get started with Greg. Greg, outside of, you know, look, Dog Nation loves you. I love you, what you did, obviously, with Juan. Y'all being former players yourself. Obviously, what Georgia's doing this year. What are your thoughts on the, uh, overall from this, you know, performance so far from the dogs? What, what are your takeaways from that? You know, I'm, I'm a defensive guy. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Crystal yeah, I'm a defensive guy, so, man, I, I just, you know, I love deep, 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 how the defense, man, just, you know, you know, keeping them guys alive, man, just – you know, just just flying around hitting people, man. I, I I love the way they playing, man. And it, you know, you know, I, I was listening to Coach Saban one time talk probably last year, man. He was talking about how the defense is changing. I'm like, man, listen, no, don't don't believe that now. Don't let Coach Saban fool you now. Defense is still winning championships, and 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 you seeing it, man. You just got you just got to get the right dudes out there, man. And you seeing you seeing what uh, Coach Smart got going on out there, man. That's they got they got a defense to uh, be reckoned with. Man. I don't think there's any question that this defense is one of the best in history. Blaine, we'll take it over to you, my man. Uh, obviously, you kind of cover all of college football, uh, mm -hmm. especially on the J-Boy show over there. 
Uh, shout out to J-Boy himself and Cone and Blaine. Blaine particularly whenever he decides to make an appearance there. What are your overall thoughts on this Georgia team, man? I know we I hear a lot of it talking on the J-Boy, but what are your overall thoughts on it? Um, well, I mean, what is there not to like, really? I mean, you look at the defense side of the ball, and in my opinion, it's probably one of the best defenses I've ever seen assembled in the history of college football up front. I mean, you get nothing with Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter. I mean, Nakobe uh, Dean just runs around untouched and makes plays everywhere. And, you know, and have older guys and the anticipation skills on the defensive side is what I really look for. They're, all, they're not athletic freaks. They are athletic freaks, and they're also – mental freaks you know, they, they're so experienced they know where the play is going you can see them two gapping on defense i mean what can this defense not do i mean even you look on the offensive side of the ball you know i'm a stetson bennett fan and i think he does a good job of what they want to do with that defense but up front on both sides of the ball if you're a georgia fan uh you you can't be more excited because in the sec that's where you uh, win and lose games. absolutely um chris you know obviously you have a son that plays on this Georgia team. And honestly, I look at it this way right here. I look at, to me, I think it's an elite defense with a more than competent offense full of balance this year. Um, obviously, Kendall being one of the plethora of running backs they have. I want to hear your thoughts on this team. I know, obviously, last year was a uh, with Kendall as well. What's it like, you know, from a father's standpoint of Kendall, you know, what's it like this year compared to last year? What do you, what are your takeaways on this year's team? I don't know. I think one of the one of the biggest things was is um, you know setting realistic expectations. So that's what we had to set realistic expectations as far as what his contribution was going to be and what the trajectory looked like. So you know, last year um, I, I looked at last year as a growing team. I think they were trying to uh, find themselves. Um, they were trying to find their culture. They were trying to find their personality, and also I think they were trying to find leaders. And I think during, and, and, and then with COVID, it just made it a very interesting time for everyone, right? If, if adults couldn't navigate through COVID year, we for sure couldn't expect these teenagers to do it, right? Um, so here we are coming into this year with a sense of normalcy. And I think these kids, you know, sometimes things kind of bring re reality back, brings your whys back. And I think all of these kids kind of had their whys brought back to them. And you see the way they band together. You see the way they become a brotherhood. You see the way that they do adopt the, the mindset of being their brother's keeper. And I mean, anytime you have a team that clicks like that, I mean, success can only be the byproduct. So that, that's what I see. I see a team. I see a team that has accepted their identity. And first and foremost, these kids are having fun. And I think that's the big thing. If you look at the Seahawks when Pete Carroll had it, you know, the, um, the Legion of Boom and all of that, those dudes, are, those dudes were laughing between the whistles. Man, they go out and camp chancellor and make a big play and come out and pop you and laugh. That's what you see what's going on right now. And I think that's what makes them dangerous, the mindset. Absolutely. Juan, what say you, sir? Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an offensive guy. So, but uh, just, just like Greg Blue said, you know, defense wins championships. And, and if you looked at the interview when uh, Kirk Herbstreet had had that defense in, in the locker room, you, you could see complete and true adoration for each other. And, and, and just like, you know, you know, when you talk about my brother's keeper, you can tell they love each other. They're going to take care of each other. Um, but there are, it's also the accountability on the field too. So they're not just afraid of, of, of Kirby. They're afraid of if, if, if Dean gets upset, we, we've got a problem. If, if Jordan Davis gets upset, you know, we've got a problem. So they respect their players on the field. They love each other. They take care of each other. 
it's just a different football team. Now, uh, of course, you know, we had some great football teams of, you know, when Gray Blue was there, he uh, overlapped with my cousin, Craig Lumpkin. So you guys played together, played in some SEC championships, and you guys had great teams um, uh, um, there. So you look at Georgia historically, defensively, has they, they just have been great. It, you know, it, it just never really meshed up. But this year's team, uh, they're, they're different, they're special. Um, and, and it's just something that, you know, if, if you're a Georgia fan, you're, you're excited. You're excited about what's going on offensively. Um, you know, Munkin now has, you know, he has free range to do whatever he wants to on offense because if it doesn't work, he's like, oh, you know what, I got my defense. They're going to get me uh, some, some great field position, and I can maybe try and just, you know, ex expand a little bit more on, on what I'm doing. And then, again, you're looking at these players that, you know, you didn't really think about in the beginning of the season. You got Bowers, you know, you got McConkey that, you know, you never really thought about. And then all of a sudden now they're, you know, they're on the scene and you still have Pickens. You know, he's, you know, there's no telling when he's going to be back. There's no telling when JT's going to be back. So when you've got this group together with, you know, Darnell, you've got JT Daniels, all those guys on the field, then you've got this defense. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do? That's scary. No, no question about that. Hey, so I'm bringing it back to Chris because as you, if you don't know, Chris was a veteran himself. So Chris, I won't, I'm going to put a graphic up for everybody that they can see this. And I want to kind of let you talk a little bit about your time in the military. Um, so I'm going to pop this graphic up and I'm going to let you take it away, my man. Oh man, many, many years ago. Goodness grief. That was pre-losing pre, pre this okay. here. Chris. <laughs> oh my yes I, I i did i served in i served in the united states air force um for a couple of years um i was assigned to the 60th supply squadron travis air force base in charge for logistics and acquisition for the flight line that was during a desert storm desert shield time i also played um, basketball while i was in the military so I, I had some I had some good times, good experiences, good relationships for the military, and it set up a lot of things. I'm actually a disabled vet, um, so I, I it set me up for a lot of other things and a lot of other um, opportunities to help people and and just a larger vantage point um, on a lot of things. I think during the time when I went in, it was it, it was it was I wouldn't say it was necessary, but it was very good for me. It was a good experience, really just kind of going through basic kind of really things, really some of my upbringing back in. Um, but yeah, I I, I, I I don't regret it, but I can, I can say that that wouldn't have been my wish for my boys. I'm glad that they chose the route that they went. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. Look, I had to do one for myself. I don't want to boast or anything, but I'll pull one up for myself. Look, I was a vet, Air Force 2010 through 2016. Uh, yes, that is a pure Guinness straight from Ireland. Sorry, it's not the basic uh, photo. Uh, you know, the photo from basic BMT like yeah. Chris had. But look, you know, my experience through Air Force, I loved it, right? Uh, deployed once, um, you know, stayed. I was stationed down in Charleston uh, doing logistics, things like that. Um, I mean, look, I had a blast. And, you know, one of the crazy things about it was, you know, talk SEC football, Georgia football, things like that. Look. The good thing about Charleston at the time that I was there, there was a whole plethora of SEC teams and, and a little bit outside of, you know, the realm of the SEC. But, you know, it was just interesting to hear, you know, your click of Bama guys, your click of Georgia guys, your, you know, South Carolinas and Clemsons and all that stuff, you know, living in Gamecock slash, you know, Clemson territory. It was always fun listening to those guys pull for the fighting chickens and, 
the great value Tony the Tiger. You know, um, it is what it is there. But it was like I had a blast in the military and especially on deployment. And if y'all don't know, I told you about the Rip It. You know, Rip It saved me through deployment, working six twelves a, day, uh, a week. You know, pushed me through it. Uh, yeah, I had a good time, and you know, I'm a disabled kid as well. Um, but you know, I don't have I don't have a son that's you know going to be an NFL player in a couple of years, so I can't speak on behalf of like Chris did. But I mean, look, if if my son wants to go through uh, military, I'm going to let him. I'm I'm for it. But at the same time, if he wants to go play NFL, if he's if he's got it like that, then I would tell him to do what he wants to do. But uh, that's just me. Um, we'll take over a little bit. Uh, Green Soldier uh, is a Army guy as well, so recon infantry. Uh, he's he's surrounded by Air Force guys. Look, he's laughing at us, Chris. Uh, I don't know how to feel <laughs> hey, about hey, that. Hey, hey, you know, some somebody got to do the thinking. That's why they got us. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, the Army always gets our family downs anyway. So, I mean, you're basically right. So, <laughs> now, I don't know. You know, I look. You know, one of the things that I learned, though, guys, is is taking. You know, taking my experience from the military, uh, I played in high school. I played football in high school. Uh, Chris, I don't know. I can't speak on your behalf, but you maybe want to talk after this. But for me, you know, my time in football, obviously I'm not a college guy or not like that in regards to playing there. But, um, you know, my time in high school football taught me a lot. It's really translated into uh, the Air Force and really basic training. You know, you understand the concept, the team concept, right? Uh, team becoming a family. Things like that. You know, did you see the same thing? I don't know if you played ball in high school, Chris, but did you see any resemblance to that through your time going through basic and stuff? I think, you know, I think one thing that helped me through basic was absolutely uh, from having have been an athlete. But I'm also going to say the experiences that I got at home. Uh, when I landed in when I landed in Lackland, um, it was probably just after midnight, and I remember getting off the bus, and we all lined up on the on the flight line, and you know. Staff Sergeant Molina, I remember to this day, and this was in 94, I remember all those boys yelling at me and, and in my face and all this other type of stuff, man. And I stood there locked and loaded. I mean, it was what it was. You can yell at me. I just know you can't touch me, so we good. And so, you know, it, 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 it almost backfired because I was unbothered. And I told him, I said, hell, I grew up in a household with a black mother. I'm used to, I'm used to get pressed. You know what I mean? <laughs> this, this, is all, this is all good. But what, what it did do is it did propel me in a position of leadership and I immediately became dorm chief while, um, while my time at Lackland. And so the leadership and the ability to um, help mentor people going through the same thing. And, you know, I, I, I absolutely think it was an attribute to, to, my, to my personal trajectory. I was a chapel god, my man. I was a chapel god. Okay. That's what's up, man. Now, you know, looking at it though, right? And we'll, we'll talk, we'll get back to college football in just a second. But Chris, you kind of get this. Like everybody had their uh, specific roles, right? Whether it was Dorm Chief, mm -hmm. uh, Latrine Queens, uh, <laughs> you know, all the way down to Laundry Crew, you know, Chapel right. Guys, like, like I said. like. But honestly, you know, I, I'm glad I went through the military, went through basic things like that because it really does build a lot of character, right? Yeah. And, like I said, a lot of the things that I learned in uh, in high school football really helped me translate over, and I wasn't necessarily in as much of a shock, like a culture shock, uh, than had I not, you know, just been kind of sheltered and never did sports or never team sports in that matter or anything like that. So for me, it helped me through that, right? It helped me navigate through that, and I already had this kind of sense of character that I needed to get through things, right? 
ever, you know, look, if you're in the military, you've you've heard of the phrase embrace the suck. That's exactly what they That's exactly what the hell it was. Exactly what it was for eight and a half weeks. Me, Chris, it may have been different timing for you, but you, you learned, you know, you learned several things like that, but it also builds character, discipline, and, and really, you know, Greg, Juan, y'all played in uh, college and, and, you know, and beyond. Some of the same things that you're hearing are exactly what transpires through, you know, through teamwork. And, you know, to me, I, I'm glad that I did what I did. No, and, and taking that and just kind of pivoting back to, you know, the, with the other guys here and their own life experiences as a um, as a senior level, senior level manager inside of hospitality with hotel properties. One thing that I really look for is past athletes. I, I love to employ past athletes, male or female. I really don't care what sport you bring a lot to the table one because of the discipline because of the teamwork because of the coachability because of the accountability because of the competition and all of that those are things i can't teach right so those are things that those are those are qualities that if i look and i see that you have that in your past oh you're, you're definitely going to have a sit down with me now those other things are going to sell you right but those 100 are going to get you a seat at the table with me i'm with you 100 Let's transition to some college football. You know, obviously we're we're a college football team. Today we're expanding out. Typically we try to focus on Georgia, but I think today is such a special day. Let's talk college football and around the whole country. I'm gonna pull up a graphic here, guys. Uh, obviously everybody knows the uh, the playoff rankings just dropped. So I want to take some time here to go through the top 25. Majority, I, I think majority of the time we'll focus here on the top six to eight range. Um, you know, but I want to get y'all's thoughts on, you know, did the playoff committee get it right? Uh, what did they get right? What did they get wrong? You know, looking here, as you can see it, if you're listening, uh, obviously we'll go one through eight here, or we'll do the top 10 here. So from one, you're looking at Georgia, Bama at two, Michigan State three, Oregon at four, moving on to five, Ohio State, Cincinnati at six, Michigan seven, Oklahoma all the way at eight. Wake Forest at nine, and then Notre Dame at 10. Uh, Blaine, we'll start with you, my man. You cover a lot of college football uh, from the broad uh, spectrum of things. Did they get it right? Um, you know, I know they got number one right for sure. I mean, that's, that's not even a question. But, you know, I don't think they got it wrong. You know, I haven't believe, uh, really believed in Cincinnati. I mean, after watching that Navy game, and, you know, I just don't think they're good enough, Justin. Desmond Ritter, to me, is not having his best years of accuracy down the field. Isn't what it used to be. Um, Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma still hasn't uh, proven anything really to me. I think Caleb Williams is going to be a star, you know, but that takes time, and especially that offense with Lincoln Riley. And that defense is what it is. So, that I mean, and their schedule is backloaded. So, if they win out, you know, they have a really good chance. You know, Michigan State with a huge win over Michigan. I still think Michigan's a good football team. You know, I like. I was always worried about Michigan uh, through the air, but they show me a lot versus Michigan State. You know, and I look at this top 20, uh, top twenty-five, or really from the. I think Ohio State. You have to put Oregon in front of Ohio State, even though Ohio State right now looks like the better football team. And I feel like if they did play right now, I think Ohio State spread would probably lean towards Ohio State in that game. But you know, Oregon went to their place and beat them. You know, they lost Oregon, lost C.J. Verdell. That was their go-to guy. But you know, I don't think they got it. 100% right, but I know they didn't blatantly get it wrong, and I think they put Cincinnati and Oklahoma in the places that they should be, and I might 
even move since a 90 back a little bit because I believe in Wake Forest in that offense. I know that defense is suspect most of the time, but that offense is moving and putting up points. I'm with you there. Chris, I'll let you go next, my man. Uh, I'll pull as I pull it back up here. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Did they get it right? What could they have done better uh, in regards to at least the top 10 if, or at least the top six? But if you want to expand to the top 10, I'm all for that as well. No, I think when you look at the grand scheme of things, I think it's pretty accurate. Um, just like you say, I don't know if they got it right, but I don't think they got it wrong. You know, depending on who you're talking to, there are some of the teams, you know, I know some of the Cincinnati folks are a little bit upset that they're dropped to, that they're at a, they're at a six and they felt that they should have been higher. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty accurate um, in regards to what we've seen this season. Um, people are wondering how Alabama lost and still got the number two. Well, hell, that's Alabama. You got to talk to Uncle Nick about that. Uh, but, I, the, I, the eye test, I mean, it's hard to look at Bama and say they're not number two. Exactly, exactly, and that's and that's what we, that's that's what we got to look at, right? That's what people have to look at, and you have to take emotions out of it and think from a rational standpoint and think about honestly, what is college football trying to um, trying to achieve by doing this? And best believe they're going to set it up accordingly. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Greg, what are your thoughts, my man? I, I thought I thought they got it right. I, I thought they got it right. Uh, I think the guy, I think the team, definitely Georgia won. You know, you got you got you know a one loss Alabama, especially with the history, the past ten years. You know, with these championships, you got you got to have them there with one loss. And I think Michigan State doing a heck of a job right now, heck of a job and a big win with uh, uh, first Michigan and you know the big win with Oregon and first Ohio State. And you know, but Cincinnati, you know, they right there, man. They you know they just got to win win out, and so many yes. teams got to still play each other and. You know, that's that's really the team I'm nervous about playing against Georgia. I mean, look, I think we've all so far, and Juan, we'll talk about this in just a second. The the eye test, the eye test, in my opinion, based off this week one rankings, right? I feel like the committee did a lot of soul searching there, and and honestly, used that eye test. You know, the fact that you know in the eight people, uh, Oklahoma at four dropping all the way to eight. Look, Oklahoma. You know, for the most part, until Caleb Williams, that transfer of quarterback range right there, they were not a good team. And, and honestly, their defense is still a problem, but their offense has transcended. And you know, honestly, based off of the product, uh, productivity on the field this year, I think eight was right. You know, kind of similar to what Blaine was saying. You know, you look at Wake Forest at nine. Uh, you know, look, Wake Forest is an elite story. I just don't know if anyone from the ACC is going to make it into the top four. Uh, the ACC is down this year. Clemson's down this year. And with Clemson goes the ACC. Uh, North Carolina was a team that, you know, people leading into the season, you know, I, I thought they were going to be in this rankings. And they're not, they're not even close. Right? Florida, hey, dopey Dan, see you next year, buddy, if you're <laughs> even there. Look, I'm just saying, obviously there's no question about number one. Number one is Georgia until proven otherwise. Number two to three, I think you, depending on how you look at things, look, Michigan State has shown they have the, the defense. Mel Tucker's got that team playing extremely well, and, and there's no debate about it. Ken, Kenneth Walker is extremely good. No, no question about it. And honestly, think about it. He was, he was a Wake Forest and grad transferred over. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he's a, he was in a good situation either way. So, yeah, but five really touchdowns, good. I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough to score five touchdowns. But I, I agree with you guys. I would switch up my top three. Um, I obviously have Georgia at number one. Number two, I'd have Georgia's second team. And then at number three, I'm sure they have an intramural team uh, somewhere around campus that could probably get up there and, 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 and do some damage. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't believe in Cincinnati. I, I just don't. You know, they had two back-to-back, you know, you know, struggles. You know, one with Navy, who's just not very good. And then, of course, you've got a one-in-seven um, two-lane team. And, yeah, they took – they, they took uh, Oklahoma to the wire. So that, that kind of makes me a little bit nervous about Oklahoma too. Like they're just, uh, you know, they're just not very good. If, it, if, if I were going to look at a sleeper, I'm looking at Ohio state, Ohio state's playing some really, really good football right now. And yeah, they, um, they, they did lose to Oregon. Then Oregon turned around and lost to a not so great Stanford team. Um, but you know, Oregon's picking back up. So, you know, I, I would go Georgia, then I would go uh, Alabama, then I'd go Ohio state. Um, would be my top three. And then, of course, it's just kind of a, you know, Michigan State, they're, they're playing some decent defense, but I just don't think that they have enough offensive power to go up against these other um, the, the, these other ones. So, um, look, Juan, you said it perfectly. And I think, look, everybody said this one thing here, and it transfers over to one thing. For this year alone, it's, it's, you're, it's blatantly obvious. The one word, parity. It's creating chaos, and it's beautiful for college football because now you're taking teams that in, in past years, the argument of, well, it's only Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and whoever, whether you want to put Notre Dame or Oklahoma, insert Georgia or whatever, that that's not the case this year. So we're seeing what parity in college football is like. And, and, and you know, if your team's apart on the receiving end of an ass-whipping or an upset loss, I'm sorry. I, I, so far, I can't speak on that. You see that G right there? We haven't saw that yet. But I can see and understand what parity looks like. And, and to me, even taking the G, my, my red and black glasses off and my Georgia hat, look, I'm telling you, I think for the betterment of college football, this is the year that we needed. Because you're starting to see teams actually have a chance. Mm-hmm. Which is also the perfect reason why the 14 playoff is going to get expanded, whether it be eight or 12, it's coming. It's, it's, it's coming. I mean, if, it, yeah, I'm I was gonna say, if anybody wants to comment I'm, on that. Here, I mean, you look at the 12 teams and we do a breakdown on the show of what it would look like, man. And the matchups are just the best thing that you could imagine. And I mean, Georgia, I mean, Georgia would be sitting pretty and you go through the playoff, you know, and this happened to us twice, maybe three times, you know, we'd get to the final four and it'd still be the four teams that we'd have in the regular 14 playoff. But the matchups that you will see is what college football needs. And college football is a business at the end of the day. The more revenue, the better. So uh, the more teams, the better. I think you can't go past 12. Hopefully they don't go past 12. I think 12 is a perfect number. But I mean, just the matchups that we would see. I mean, right now you're looking at, a, I mean, a Georgia Baylor matchup. You know, first round. I would love to see that. Now Georgia would win that game, but you know, I'd love to see that. I mean, you're looking at a, a, a maybe a, a Michigan versus another Michigan State matchup. You know, and I think a sleeper for the, for this year's team that you could see, you know, is is Auburn. You know, Auburn can and Auburn does this right. Um, they can do damage late. They can hurt a lot of people's feelings. Um, you know, if they win this A and M game on the road, which Auburn hasn't lost in Cal Field, but I don't feel like it's the best matchup for them. Um, but if they somehow pull this win out and beat a Mississippi State team, I believe, at home, and you get Bama at home for the Iron Bowl, you know, who knows? You could see a Georgia-Auburn rematch in, in Atlanta. 
SEC West is absolutely insane right now. Wild, wild, wild. Go ahead. Wild, wild West, man. Yeah, 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 for sure. But then you think about these 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 playoffs. Like, where was this in 2007? <laughs> that would have been nice to have this in 2007 oh, instead of us playing, the, you know, Hawaii in the yeah. Super Bowl. If we had that 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 four game, there's no way you can tell me that we would have lost that national championship that year. I mean, we had we had some absolute firepower, and you've got Hawaii, who was basically a middle school JV team um, out there. That that was embarrassing. So um, you know that that was just something I wish that we would have had back then. But now we have it; it's here, um, and and, and let, let let's roll with it. And like you said, you know, Blaine, if if it gets to twelve, that's I think that's the perfect number. Um, but this year, when we're looking at the matchups, I mean, they would be perfect. You know, have you know have a couple of buys, but then hey, let let's let let's go at it and uh, you know you know make some things happen. Yeah, you're talking about parity in college football. What will be more parity to be able to you know when it comes to recruiting, walk into a recruit's house and be like, hey, look, we made the playoff. You know, you, you can be the reason we win the championship when we get in the playoff, and it just makes everything better. And you know, especially mm -hmm. uh, do, will we see the four teams? Probably we usually. See, yeah, because at the end of the day, it, it, college football comes down to recruiting. Yeah, best players, you win the most games. That's how it works. It, scheme only helps. And when you look at the Georgias and the Bamas. I know Clemson's having an off year, although Ohio State. You know, you, when you get the guys, the product shows on Saturday. And Kirby's done a great job just installing the culture. And I know you guys hit on it earlier. These guys are having fun, right? They're having fun hurting people's feelings. <laughs> yeah. Coach, you know, when the young guys, I think, I don't know who said this, not Jordan Davis, but when the young guys are policing young guys and the young guys are policing older guys and the older guys don't have to worry about the young guys doing anything, it just all meshes together and you can see that on the field. You know, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an SEC guy, I have a show, but I'm an Auburn fan, but I don't let, you know, I don't put orange and blue glasses or anything like that at a stone. But, you know, just to see that, because I was the type of guy, you know, as the way offenses has evolved, it's very tough, in my opinion, to have a defense that wins you a championship in this year's age football because everything's tilted towards the offense. It's like the long ball. People love seeing score touchdowns like this long ball. This defense for Georgia is just the best, one of the best, if not the best, I've ever seen. It's not athletically they're freaks, but the chemistry is just out of this world, man, and you can only tip your hat to Kirby Smart and that coaching staff. And as a fan of football, I just enjoy watching it, guys. But, hey, I got to get out of here, man. I appreciate DGD. I appreciate letting me get on the show, man. It's awesome content. I appreciate, hey, everybody, I appreciate you letting me know. Y'all have a great day. And I appreciate y'all's service. All right, y'all y'all hit me up. If y'all need anything, just let me know. Yes, sir. Hey, yes, sir. Hey, before you head out, Blaine, tell them where they can find you, man. Oh, yeah. You can find me at the J-Boy Show, um, you know, Twitter, at the J-Boy Show, Twitter, at Crane Blaine. That's me. Man, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Come check us out. Come hop in the Booster Club. You know, get your questions. It's just, it's not, it's not our show. It's everybody's show, man. We're all in this together. It's real college football content. Yeah, I think you'll hop in. You'll enjoy it. Uh, come be part of the Booster Club, man. Now the best, the Booster Club is is hot right now, man. It's, oh, uh, look, the show, the show is skyrocketing. Uh, you know, I think you've even passed Blaine Patin's, uh, you know, level. Uh, so, you know, look, obviously, tell Jay, uh, tell Jake and uh, Cole. Uh, I'll be there at three o'clock, hot and heavy. Just you know how that goes. Anyway, yes, so hey, I, I wanted to just to just to say something, you know, just kind of piggybacking on what 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 Blaine's you know just talked about, um, and of course, Greg, you can talk you know more more to this when you just talk about defense winning championships, but you're seeing guys police other guys, 
And when you're looking at leaders and you're looking at those alphas, they're most likely going to be those defensive guys. Those defensive guys are going to be the ones that they demand respect. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're more aggressive. They're more authoritative. Um, so when it actually comes to your team being uh, a, a certain way, winning championships, look at Alabama when they were winning these championships, it was these defensive guys that basically just take control over the field. Like I said, Greg could, you know, speak more to that, but as an offensive guy, I'm looking at the Randall Godfrey's of the world and all those guys. And when they're telling us to be quiet and let, let's get things, you know, make things happen, we're quiet and, 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 and we make things happen. I'm with you. I think, you know, you look at, you look at this team and the makeup, you know, it starts with, you know, senior guys this year, we're focusing on Georgia this year. Uh, you, you're looking at the team. It starts with guys last year that decided to, you know, to come back and, and you know, with the way things was, I was surprised, but I was super excited to see guys like Zeus, James Cook, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, especially. All these guys came back and, and they put a chip on their shoulder and were like, not nah, we unfinished business, right? To me, right now, what I love about this team is they're laser focused, laser focused. I don't know if anything is going to knock them off their main site. Um, you know, look. There, there's so much going on right now in college football. Obviously, the you know the, the playoff rankings just popped out. Georgia's number one, but Kirby, you know, Kirby's telling these guys not to focus on that. But I don't think he even has to do it. I think these guys understand what they need to do. You know, you hear the rat poison comments, you hear all this other stuff. I think these guys have what they need to set in, in their mind, and I don't think nothing's getting in their way. I, I just, I just don't. I, I really don't. But I do want to ask a question for Chris. With you know, obviously the offense has really shown signs of balance, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Kendall being hurt right now, obviously on the mend, coming back. You know, as as a father situation, what are your thoughts here? You know, seeing him produce because I know he finally got his first touchdown against Arkansas, which that was a huge deal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I'm sure that was a fun sight to see. But, you know, what are your thoughts right now on how, you know, not only, you know, him coming off the of injury, things like that, but, you know, how is that running back room? I feel like they're like a band of brothers uh, to throw a military term out there. You know, am, I, am I seeing that the right way or is there, you know, I just feel like it has to be, right? I mean, if you watch, all you have to do is watch on the sideline. When you watch and see one of them get the end zone, um, their brothers are the first ones that's celebrating with them. When you see Dejon Edwards, you know, go out there and ball, you know, all those guys are coming off coming off, you know, celebrating with them. And that's what they are. At the end of the day, they all are there for the same exact thing. And they understand that as long as they produce, they're going to get their opportunity. And I think one of the biggest things for us is, you know, we realize that things happen when they're supposed to happen. You know, there's a Bible scripture that basically gets around. You got to plow your field, man. Just plow your field. Do it feverently. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it diligently. Do it purposefully every single day, and your blessing is going to come. And that's something that Kendall has adopted. And um, I, I just, I just, we just believe that things work when they're supposed to work the way that they're supposed to work. And even with the um, rotation that's been going on with the with the with the touches that he's been getting, he's been producing. He's been he's been checking the boxes that he needs to check to be a dominant athlete next year um in, you know inside of that program we're comfortable with that but i also do believe that god is preparing the other part for him the off the field stuff the induction into the leadership academy um the the dean's list honor all, right, all of that crap 
he's he's using this time to put it on his resume while he works on somebody else's blessing, right? And that'd be Zeus and Cook. I, I, we, we believe, man, there's enough for everybody to eat, man. It, it, and I don't know, we, we're just a little different when it comes to that. What, what I honestly love to see my, my kid being a featured back and all this and this and that, hell yeah. But am I willing to see it at the expense of 30, 35 carries a game? Absolutely not. So we play our position, we play our part, and we let the process happen. It's really, it's really kind of that simple for us. I think that's what makes Georgia unique, in my opinion. Right? You, you look at, you look at other teams around the country, and I think this is almost a kind of historical. Greg, Juan, you've been, you've played through these teams. Georgia seems to always have a, a plethora of backs that are, you know, multiversal, multifaceted whatever you want to call it you know they're basically swiss army knives they have specific niches that are stronger than others but they can do it all in my opinion this year and you look at zeus in my opinion zeus has been able to really open up and and become a better receiver out of the backfield you look at uh you know james cook typically known as a receiving back able to run through the tackles which you know i was glad to see that then you take you know kendall kendall has that blend him and kenny as well both of them and, and, and one of my things, I think, for me, was understanding the pass protection. And you're starting to see those guys become better blockers on top of being able to run, being patient. You know, Kendall, to me, seems uh, – him and Kenny really have great patience. I love it. But you're starting to see these guys become all-around great running backs, not just specialized, you know, specialists. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what really helps with the balance of this offense. And as dog fans, we understand that it's going to take – not only our elite defense, but it's going to take the ability to score points. And with that balance, that's going to help. And I think, you know, looking at this year, I think all Dogs fans understand that this, honestly, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be realist here. I think this is the best chance we have of winning a national title. Not to say that it's our only chance. Don't get me wrong there. But this might be the best one we've seen so far today. And look, we've had some very, very talented teams. But I think this team is special. This year's team is special. Not discrediting any other year, but this year, something about it is just making this team special. Uh, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Chris, while we have you, though, I do want to ask you a question. Uh, obviously, you know, everybody knows Kendall. You know, if you're a dog fan, you know Kendall. But you also have a son, Kalan. Uh, if I hope I didn't say that wrong. Plays at Fresno State. How, how is he doing? How is his season going? Um, how is everything over there for him? So, actually, Kalan graduated. Uh, oh, I for, okay. I, for, I, yeah, I knew he, he was. Graduated. I knew he played at Fresno State. My, I apologize. Yeah, he, he graduated. He graduated from Fresno State. Um, right now, he's uh, pursuing real estate. Um, he, he's another focused kid. He's he's. I mean, these kids are dedicated to the grind, and I, I tell these kids uh, often that I, I admire them. At 48 years old, I admire my 24 and 19 year old sons because they are showing a level of sacrifice and discipline that I wasn't willing to do um, out of my own ignorance and out of my own selfishness. So I admire them for that. That's why to this day, you know, we, we, we Mon and I will do anything for these boys because they're opening doors for themselves. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, I'm proud of my dudes. Absolutely. year this year it's kind of been one of those things where in my opinion it goes unnoticed but you know kind of keep it up with him in my opinion he had a really good uh, really good amount of production as well so obviously you know look dogs fans understand this you know 
Kendall's a different breed, but I, I still like keeping up with Kalan when he was in Fresno State. But, I appreciate uh, that. No question. Uh, you know, looking at this, though, Greg, I want to ask your opinion here. I think everybody knows Greg Blue from the hit on Auburn, right? And I, I have a feeling you've probably heard this a million times, a million times. But you're about to have you're about to hear it a million and one times. What, what? So when that happened, I feel like it. Cha- I feel like it kind of changed your life because, like, I mean, I knew. You know, I think Georgia fans knew you, right? But I think it legitimately yep. like changed people's perception outside of the Georgia realm. You know, how how did that? Did that play do anything for you? Like anything special for you? Like what happened after that was, you know, like because I felt like you got put on the radar for real. I think people had to respect it after that damn hit. I'm just gonna be honest. Uh, most de- most de- most de- most definitely, you know, I think national wise, I, you know, definitely, you know, put me on the map on the ra- on the radar. You know, I think, you know, within the SEC and through my team, you know, I always had respect because they knew, you know, they are they all they already knew what I can do and everything, but. You know that that was a big, you know that was a big deal right there. And plus, you know that year that was my uh, redshirt sophomore year. I was coming off an of injury, so that's my first game the whole year. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I you know, it was, it was you know, I set out six, seven games that year. That first six, seven, and I was ready. And the coverage we was in, and I saw him coming. I said, well, "It's so wet." <laughs> I wasn't thinking about no one else. So I was gonna light him up. <laughs> <laughs> as, as green, look, as Green Soldier said, you took a good soul. Look, but you know what? This is a great transition to another question I have for you, Greg. You, to me, I think Georgia fans know you as a headhunter. And there's another headhunter on this team currently in the same safety spots that you played back in the days. And that's Lewis Singh. What are your thoughts on Lewis? I, I know Chris is more of the ball hawk to me. Lewis is one of those guys that will come and take you down so every single play if he can. What are your thoughts on that? Seeing somebody like with that kind of reputation back there patrolling the backfield oh, now. Oh, 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 I, lo- I love guys like that. I love guys like that as a coach. I, I want to recruit guys like that because I know this is how I look at it. I look at it like 85, 85%, 85% of football players, listen, they don't like to get hit, man. And <laughs> you got to be crazy to play defense. That's all yeah. you, you, you need some guys out there to create that fear out there. And they will leave you alone. They think, you know, when you when you chill out there, you the game is easy, man. Because you don't have to, them guys will won't want to try to block you no more. Nothing. I don't had guys tell me this play ain't even come here, big dog. And that's how I look at it in football, man. You, that, that, that that physicality part, man, is that's the that's the equalizer. That that's the great equalizer because a lot of guys don't get like to get hit. I saw Big Mike Tyson. Get hitting them off by Buster Douglas, and that's what hidden brings right there. I'm telling you right now, if I hear Mike Tyson again, I'm gonna have to look at Juan and be like, "What was that? What was that comment there, Juan?" <laughs> Everything's all fun and games until you get punched in the mouth. <laughs> look, that is so accurate. Oh no, Why? everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the yeah. mouth. That's what right. it is. <laughs> and, and Buster Douglas that is made, true too. That's so true. Buster Douglas woke him up. Yeah, yeah. He did. <laughs> I mean, look, same I was trying right a little bit before my time, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. he ain't been the same since, and that's how it's the same way in football. Hey, you you put if you put your soul, if you put your, I put my two hundred pounds of everything into his soul. He's gonna think about me for the rest of his life, and he's gonna try to stay away from me, and he's gonna respect me. I'm telling you right now, Kyle Pitts understands exactly where 
Lewis seen as at all times. Most definitely. He, uh, Kyle Pitts go tell his kids about Lewis seen. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to hear y'all. I, I want to ask this for everybody here, right? With with this targeting rule, right? You you look at the you look at the the under you know the concept of the rule, right? I understand you're trying to be safe, but to me, Greg, this is the perfect example. You play defense, and at the at the speed of the game, you're basically changing a defender's whole technique and everything. And there, and sometimes you can't even. It's it's hard to really say because you see offensive guys talk right, try to prepare for a hit, and you call that. Obviously, everybody knows now if you get called for targeting, you're ejected. I think that it needs to be altered, similar to what you see in NBA, where it's a flagrant one, flagrant two. Due to the fact that, you know, sometimes these hits, I, I looked at Lewis Seen's hit last year on Pitts. To me, that's a perfect example of you. It wasn't blatant, it wasn't intentional. It just happened because he came down and, and tried to protect himself. You know, in my opinion, you know, I think there should be a, like a level system, kind of like I said, similar to. Uh, similar to the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? And Chris and Juan, I want to, I know Juan, you played offense, so it's going to be perfect to hear from a receiver standpoint, from a defender standpoint. And Chris, also want to hear your thoughts on this uh, in, in regards to what are your thoughts on the targeting rule and what would you suggest to, to make it as efficient as possible? You know, I believe if a guy is making a football play and that's what happens, I think you got to let it go, but I definitely, I, I believe you should keep it with guys just targeting guys and it don't have nothing to do with football. And it's guys getting ejected. Like, it, it's a guy, you know, it's it's sad when you see guys getting ejected, you know. Over first quarter, first play. quarter. It's a, a, a first quarter, bang, bang, football play. It's a football play. And I don't. You know, if, if if they want to protect the players, you protect them with practice. That's where the banging goes on. That's where the banging, the banging is going on all the time in practice. That's where you protect them, man. I, it, it, I, you don't see a lot of guys week in, week out get concussions from the game. It's from practice. That's what we hit all the time. That's what we hit. When you think about the old times, you remember we had the most school two days and three days. We're banging. It's not the game. It's it's the practice. So I think you got to continue to protect the guys in practice, and you know, don't take away you know the the love of sports. It's football in in, in America. You, you you're killing the game. You're killing the game. I understand they want points, and you know, targeting takes away you know add more points to the board. But you're still taking while we love the game away. That's you know seriously. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, I'm 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 an offensive guy, and and I'm a receiver. So I was, you know, I would have been one that would have been on the other other end of the targeting. Um, but 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 if 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 you guys, you know, if, if they want to make this targeting these ejections, you know, just just put flags on the side of their hips, and then just kind of just leave it at that. You know, is is the way that I look at it. As a receiver, if you are a a, a good enough uh, receiver. You have to be aware of your surroundings first and foremost, right? So if I'm going up there and a ball is going up, I need to be able to see my peripheral and turn my body in a way that if I am going to absorb an impact, that I am protecting myself. And that's what our receiver coach told us 
Um, you know, his name was, you know, Coach Daryl Drake. He was with the Bears and he uh, unfortunately he passed. But um, he said, you know, you got to be an acrobat. You, you've got to go out there and contort your body and do whatever you need to do to protect yourself. Now, if, you know, just like Greg said, if, if, if there's guys out there that are not making football plays and they just have, you know, just, you know, or if you're holding up a guy and then you just go in there and just lead in with your helmet, that, that, that's a problem because that's not football. That's just, that's, that's just dangerous. But when you're talking about bang, bang plays, um, and, and, and a defensive guy is trying to make a, a, a play. Either he's trying to intercept the ball, he's trying to jar that ball loose. He is not having the intentions of, if this guy goes across the middle, I'm going to put my helmet on his helmet and try to knock him out and, 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 and have a concussion. No, that, that's not it. And you're taking away the aggression uh, of the game. And, and, and for those that are saying, oh, well, you have to switch the rules and get these things you know, out of there, go play another sport. Go watch something else. You know, don't don't play football. Don't watch football if, 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 if that's your case. But as a receiver, as a running back um, and, 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 you know, and, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, Milton as a running back, I think he does a great job of when he's getting tackled, contorting his body or, or, or getting out of bounds or making those plays and not really setting himself up. I mean, you have to be a smart football player to know when you have that ball in your hand, you've got guys that are trying to tackle you. That's as is, 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 is simple as that. And they're going to go, you know, above and beyond to try to get you on the ground or draw the ball loose, cause a fumble, doing all that. But if you're trying to cut that out, you're taking the aggression away from the game. Let's just put some flags on and let everybody just run around, you know, and, and get the little sponge things on top of their head. And just 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 kind of go with that. I think, <clears throat> Chris, I'm going to let you go ahead and speak real fast. And then we'll hop over to the brigade. I'm, I'm seeing some good kind of suggestions here and I want to talk about that but Chris you know I want to get your thoughts on this real fast and then we'll transition over to the the brigade so I look at it from two different ways right now one because I have a son that plays running back then I also had a son that played defensive back so I see I see it from both you know from both sides so the running back dad in me says hell yeah they, they need to do something about targeting they come in and head hunting and, and trying to make that big play and here to pop we need to do something but then on the other side for my db i think about my son going in to tackle and you see the receiver dropping his head at the last minute you see the running back dropping his head at the last minute and you get that incidental contact right and that's it looks like the launching because if i go to tackle and leave with my shoulder head helmet helmet to hit the belly button right that, that's a technique driven ta um, ankle tackle but the moment I drop my helmet, I add my helmet into the equation. So I think to just have it as one umbrella rule, I think it's kind of reckless, um, simply because of all the all the things that can happen, right? But I also think that when you start looking at, we also have to look at the message. All these companies are sending the message that their helmets are the best. Their helmets are the um, have the best impact. They 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 rate this on protecting the brain and this and this and that. So what that sends the message of well hell these these helmets can take impact. Shit, that's what they're for then to to provide the impact, right? So if we truly if we truly want to get the head contact out of football. Now I do understand the, the, the byproduct, the CTE and all of that other stuff. I'm not naive to that. But if we truly want to get that out of football, you gotta go back, you gotta go rugby or go back to a leather helmet to where you're forced to get it out. Otherwise that's the only way. And it's like, like Rodney Harrison said, Rodney Harrison said, it's like you can't decide that you want to become a boxer and then press charges the first time you do it. You know, <laughs> you, know you, you, 
you kind you kind of know what it is when you're signing up, right? Right. And so, as a father, I trust me, I'm aware of every possibility that can happen to my children on the football field, including death. That's the reality, right? We we know that. We can't all of a sudden decide that we have a problem with it when our number got called. I, that's just that may sound callous, but I think that. I mean, we have to start looking at it case by case and looking at all the elements involved in it. Because it is. That first quarter, man, that safety or linebacker coming in to make a play, and all of a sudden, what was it? This Just a couple weeks ago, man, a kid damn near less than two minutes into the game. He, game game over, right? Yeah. It was a little, so bit, I don't know. little bit of somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, but to me, that's bullshit. Like, yeah. it's, a big picture. it's a big picture to this, and we have to stop looking through through this microscope and look at a But look at, look, look at Clemson's top linebacker. The last two years in the championship and then also in a, in a semifinal, he's out, of, he's out of the game in the first, in the first quarter. Uh, or sorry, in the, in, in the first half. And not to say that they were going to come back and, or, or they were going to beat LSU that year, but you've got a defensive leader out there who knows the game back and forth, and, and he's probably done all his studying on Joe Burrow and that and that potent offense. He's gone. He's he, he's gone. And then of course the next year you you know they, they go up against you know uh, an Ohio State team again. First quarter he's gone. I'm sorry, first half he's gone. So that 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 that's just tough for you know uh, again you you come out there you prepare all week all season, and you're out in the first quarter. Or you're out in the yeah. first half and you're just, you know, th th this is what we, you know, you, you don't have very many games. I know 15 games, if you make it to a championship, seems like a lot. But if you go in the offseason and all that preparation that you do to miss a game, to miss a quarter, to miss a play, it hurts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm with you. And I want to take, I want to go back for a little bit here. Uh, Green Soldier, he called it out perfect here. He says, if there isn't a change to this rule, somebody will get really hurt trying to abide by it. And you look at, you look at defenders, how they're adapting to this rule. Instead of going for the head, they go low. So you're seeing a lot of ACLs and leg injuries. And sometimes, not, not to say, I mean, every injury is bad, and you want to make sure that safety is the main focus of the game at times, right? But you know, then you start to look at people going low, and sometimes ACLs and things like that are almost as hard to come back from a concussion. You don't want concussions. You don't want ACL injuries. And, and you know, I can understand where Green's coming from in, in the sense of, yeah, you're making the game a little bit more dangerous by trying to be overprotective, and yeah, and like and kind of like you said, you look at guys like, to me, Auburn has been hit so much with this damn targeting rule. Smoke Monday two years straight against Georgia. You look at the Penn State game. You sit there. The, the guy is trying to keep the uh, the running the runner from entering the end zone, and he hits him and pushes him out of the end zone, but it's targeting. As a defender, Greg, you know what I'm talking about here. You've played defense. To me, it's asinine to sit here and say, what do you want me to do? Let him fucking score? That, it's stupid. You can't do that. He's just trying to keep the guy out of the end zone. That's his job. But you sit there and you call targeting like that. To me, I, I just don't like it. And the fact that it's been super inconsistent. The, the refs need to be find a way to make it more consistent. And you look at the situation of – you know, instead of sitting here and trying to replay this and replay that, why can't referees use their, you know, why can't they use just common common judgment here? I mean, use the replay, but use common logic instead of trying to follow all these rules because they don't get it right. They don't get it right. You're, you're creating inconsistency, and it impacts games. 
any sure you get any game, but honestly, important games. Greg, you talk but, about but, it here. Go ahead, Chris. No, I was thinking. You know, I'm 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 a huge proponent of you know a lot of people a lot of people um, circle the wagon and always talk about the results of problems, right? Like even right now, we're talking about the result of a problem. The true, I think, one of the true problems if if we stop if we stop. Um, like really making it big and and make it a thing to deliver that big hit and, and celebrating that big hit, right? I think we become and we change our focus to be more um, about the technique, right? You look at what, what was the show, man, you got jacked up or all that other stuff where you celebrating a big hit, right? We're celebrating a dude getting depleted or getting, 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 you know, blindsided. We celebrate that. So what message is it sending to these young athletes? This is part of the big picture that we have to look at what we're celebrating. If we take that stuff away and say, okay, this is not football anymore. We're gonna shift what we celebrate. We're gonna shift our focus. Then what happens if that's a natural progression to now start adopting different types of mindsets. So until society stops celebrating it, right? Stop celebrating it. Then it changed. It, then it changed. So it's, it's kind of the same thing. Jack Nicholson movie, A Few Good Men, right? When he was on the stand and he said, how dare you sleep under the blanket of security that I provide and then question the manner that I provided. It's the same thing. How the hell can you sit and cheer about the football game that I provide? Now you want to question on the entertainment that I'm giving you. I would just rather you watch the game and just say thank you. And I think that's what we have to get at. Reset expectations. Reset expectations. Stop celebrating the, you know, the the things that can be detrimental, and, and and you know, take some of that focus off. And I and I do believe the athletes may start looking at it different. Yeah, I think you know, kind of to your point, Chris, and I think I'm following. I just want to make sure. To me, you know, you know, growing up in football, right? Everybody loves to see touchdowns. I think we all agree with that. You know, but when you see guys on defense, everybody associates, right? It's association. Right. What do you what do you perceive defense entertainment, right? Defensive entertainment. Greg, right. Greg's big hit. Like I still have that ingrained <laughs> into my head. Right. Now, right. To your point, I understand you shouldn't like kind of like worship that. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it sticks in your head because you remember that. And right. and, and, and I, I see your point. But I, I just think it's gonna be very difficult to try to get everyone. I think you can get a majority of folks. I really do. Yeah. But I just don't know what it's going to be like with everybody trying to transition the mentality on what to, you know, the the, the shift there. I love the idea. I just I just don't know if it, if that's no, and, awesome. and, and the reality and the reality is it's probably not a realistic it's probably not a realistic um, um, suggestion. However, though, it is one, right? <laughs> We we have we have to look at it. It has now become part of the game, and it's become part of the game that people have made a lot of money on. You see them on commercials all the time, and this and this and that. And be, because a certain demographic now um, is affected by it, a lot of the people that have the CTEs, the the depression that they're facing, and all of that type of stuff, then we look back and say, "Oops, maybe we shouldn't have did that." So let's just let's just cut off the nose, spike the face, and get rid of all this all all together. And it is opening up for additional injuries to happen inside the game, whether it be to that defensive player who all of a sudden in the middle of his movement is trying to change the way he tackles or 
where he's hitting that athlete. And so, you know, I, I have a big running back. I don't want him chopping the tree down. You know what I mean? I mean, that's what that that's the that's the other side of it. Yeah. And, and that transitions not only to skill positions, but even offensive linemen. Uh, Georgia Tech was perfect for this. Greg Wallace, y'all know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Cut blocks, man. They were yeah. they were notorious for cut blocking, and, and that leads to injuries, especially with big men. And, and, you know, to me, that, you know, one fan base is going to say, well, we're just doing what we have to do. The other fan base is going to sit there and say that's, that's dirty as shit. You know, I think there needs to be, that. I guess for me, like, I think it's human nature to see two sides here, right? But there's always that third side that nobody wants to collaborate to agree with, kind of what uh, Chris is saying. We know that, you know, we understand it's a form of blocking, but is it, you know, it, it's kind of dirty, you know? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with cut blocks. It's just the ones when a defender engaged a whole other way, you come back and cut him off in the back of his leg. Yeah, that's chop block. That's malicious. And he's not that's it, but they're not going to call it a verse with option teams because they're selling, they're, they're engaged with another uh, another guy. But them the ones I hate, we teach guys how to get low and defeat cut blocks when you see them. But when I you, agree when, with that. When, when you're engaged on another uh, on an offensive guy and the, the tackle comes down and just take your ankle out, that that that's, that's just a, like that's a blown that's just like a, 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 a receiver happen. that not even look you know a receiver just running down the field for no reason. I, I'm with you, man. I, look, I played. I'll tell you what. In high school, option quarterback. You know how easy it is for an offensive lineman to take somebody out by just falling down. Yeah, kind of block. I'm telling you, you can see it happen. It, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, look, that's above my pay grade. Look, I just sit here and I talk about things. That's what I do. I'm a fan. Talk about shit. I just hope that there's a way to keep the entertainment value at, at the level that it is while progressing in safety. I think, I think safety, you know, utilizing experiences, right? Georgia has their own with Devin Gales, right? Everybody remembers him. But you also look at, you know, at a professional level, Shazier. And, and honestly, the Skowski tackle, uh, I think on fields that he got called for targeting, to yeah. me, and I ain't even a Clemson fan, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, Because he went straight, like, crowned, like, head, like, just yeah. eerily similar to what Shazier did. So, you know, just somebody that understands football and understand and, and seeing that, like, watched it happen live, I was petrified that I was like, I'm glad he got up. And, and I don't care for Clemson. I can hate the Tiger, Great Value Tony Tiger. I don't care. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to sit there and be selfish and, and wish injury on somebody. And I hope mm -hmm. that they I hope that they learn from that. I was saying, well, I, I felt I was scared for him too because that's that's when you hit right here. That's that's the one that can kill you. Yeah. And, and honestly, the the you. rules of the game, you know. As much as people want to say the rules of the game, especially the targeting rule and things like that, it's not just for the the person getting hit. It's the person initiating the hit. Yeah. Because, like I said, you look at Shazier as a perfect example. He he made the tackle, but yeah. the other guy got up. He didn't. Yep. Yep. He's still mm -hmm. he's still struggling to get back to normal life mm -hmm. because of a tackle, and it seems so meaningless not really like in the grand scheme of things a tackle is not in the scheme of life or the whole scope of life it's it's nothing compared to the whole you know level of life 
But his life got impacted significantly because of a tackle and how how you tackle. So, you know, you look at the players to the coaches. You know, it starts with the coaches understanding the technique and, and teaching those fundamentals, right? You always. Well, Greg teach- said that it's, it's, it starts yeah. in practice, man. It, you know, it's you, you got to yeah, you got to get rid of that stuff in 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 practice, um, and and, and then that should translate, you know, or, or you know, transfer over to the game. So, you know, uh, again. I think that, you know, Greg makes a, a, a great point. Um, and they even go into, you know, what, what Chris is talking about, how are we going to get this stuff out of the game or how are we going to change mindsets? It's going to start in practice. Um, and, and, and then once you have, 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 have gotten that culture or gotten that thing down in practice, then when you go out there, it should transfer to the game to the point to where these players are safer. And, and, and just like Chris said, you know, he's got a defensive back son that he wants him to go out there and make safe plays. He wants him to finish the games. But he also has a running back son that does not want him to be targeted and get hit in, in, in a certain way. So, again, Greg made the best point that this stuff is, is, is in practice. Take care of that stuff in practice. Take, you know, take care of these players in, 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 in practice. Yeah, I think you look at it, like you said, practice is one thing. You know, you look at teams that kind of avoided contact in practice. And I kind of – move it a little bit to come back to this right my thing is this you, you see how physical georgia is and, and you and you you do that in practice it starts in the offseason very physical right very physical defense but the thing about and it, it fundamentals is one thing and, and coaching is another right all that you coach the fundamentals you can play at a high level play sound defense play physical as shit but also play it safe and that's one of the things that I'm seeing with this Georgia defense, and I'm happy to be seeing it, is, you know, we play extremely physical, making contact, we run physical. You know, I hate to sound bad, but, you know, that Xander, uh, the safety from Clemson, uh, Kendall Kendall just chucked, you know, put his head down and leaned into the shoulder, and I hate to sound bad about it, but he ended my man's season. We're just a different level of physicality for this whole team, but we do it the right way. Right. And that's and that's what I love to see. I love seeing sound disciplined football, but being as physical as you can while keeping that, you know, that level of uh, safety and fundamentally mentally sound. Wow. Having a hard time speaking there. But yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just my thing. I I love the fact that Georgia and really you look at Kirby, Dan and all these guys, you you go through physical, you're going to get banged up. Everybody knows it. But at the end of the day, you go there, you practice how you play. You mm-hmm. practice hard, you make you contact. Look, Chris, I think it was Chris Smith, if y'all watched the Florida game, he came down and, and laid a hit on Pierce, I think it was. And I was just like, holy shit, man. That was like a like it looked like a freight train coming in and just leveled Pierce. But he did it the right way. And you look at it, and, and like I said, we're talking about Georgia right here, but if you really expand it out through the NCAA – and coaches need to understand to practice the right way. If you do that and you tendencies, personal tendencies is human nature. But if you can coach that out, if try to coach that out of somebody as much as you can, Chris, I'm with you. I think it's it's safer for everybody involved. But I do want to talk about this right here. Going to the brigade, Greg, you have a cult following in this section, man. Um, <laughs> let's see here. We got Greg Blue was a true headhunter from Miriam. Uh, K2G, uh, Greg, you're his favorite dog of all time. Uh, look, I'm telling you, man, Greg has a cult following, guys. I'm just being real with you here. Uh, Chris, uh, Patrick, 
uh, Patrick here called you the uh, the dog father, man. It's accurate. It's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> and then. I, look, I just I love the brigade, man. They come in and, and they tell it how it is. That's that's what makes this show so good, man. But I do want to, I guess, Greg, I have one question for you. You know, what what happens if if Georgia wins his national title? You know, you look back at 1980, right? You and Juan played through this. Do you feel like the 1980 jokes? I'm sure y'all probably heard them. I feel like it's overplayed <laughs> at this point. Look, how how good is it going to feel? To, to win a national title, it, obviously we have to get there first. But you know what I mean. If we win this national title this year, well, how's that? How's that gonna feel? It's gonna feel great, and it's gonna you know be a little sad too, because you always want to be that team that you know to, to be the, the one out of the eighty team. <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. of course, man, I think man, if Georgia win this Joker right here, and this is the it's the perfect year to do it, man. It's the perfect year to do it. Perfect year to do it. I think it's gonna change college football all around, man. I, you you got to put Georgia at the top of the throne because <laughs> yeah. Georgia got everything you need down there, man. And you in a great state. You in you in Black America in Georgia, and and you 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 know how it is, man. It is if Georgia win that, listen, college, it's college over football with. got some problems. Look, it's over you, with. you thought you the, Braves, you thought the Braves were gonna be a big deal. Uh, the whole state of Georgia, I, I guarantee you, you can look from a Georgia satellite man, and just sure. see red. I guarantee that's what it would look like. Like Sanford would, Stadium would be a little – you couldn't tell where it would be. Like there would be yeah, some it, red and black running around the whole state it, of Georgia, man. It will be right like when, when, when Saban took over and, and Alabama won their first championship and it just poured on and poured on. But I, I, I think – um, you know, it, you know, Georgia wins. I'm not even going to say if, you know, when Georgia wins this national championship, you're going to have a lot of guys that are staying home. You know, you already have the Oscar Delps and all these guys that are, that are staying home and they want to stay put. But now these guys are going to, and, and, you know, there's a lot of these guys that are in Georgia that grew up diehard Georgia fans. Um, and, 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 you know, you've got some defensive guys that grew up watching Greg blue. That's like, I, I want to be the next Greg blue. So now I'm going to go, and now they have a reason to go because of everything that they have going on right now. And uh, man, oh man, you get all these guys to stay home, it, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at five, ten years down the road. Now, now we're the Alabama of, of, you know, we're the new Alabama, and then and think- then they're going to start calling Alabama the old Georgia. I mean, I, that's that's what it's going to turn into. No, and I and I and I think not. Yeah, with that one, that's what I was going to um, say initially too. You think Kirby is recruiting his butt off now? It's going to be crazy because you got to remember when, like, when we came in or when Kendall came in, he came in on the eve of LSU winning that championship. So you look at it, you saw how they dominated that year. So it seemed like that would be the obvious man. We going to a team that's that's up and coming, but then you start pulling the layers back, and you like, okay, hold on, there's, there's some shit right here that, that that may not be favorable. So you make different decisions. But when you start looking at Georgia, you start looking at the culture, you start looking at the expertise, you start looking at um, who's at the helm um, in regards to the coaching staff and stuff. You kind of realize that man, they're they're on the brink of something, and I think especially now what's different now than let's say definitely when you guys played or even five years ago right you got kids that's not afraid to leave home look at how many boys that are badasses for teams that are all east of the mississippi right now right look at how many california boys are killing it on that side of the country 
because they aren't afraid to leave now. We didn't know a damn thing about Georgia. I'm gonna tell you that right now. When 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 we first talked to Del McGee and you know said he was from Georgia, I ain't gonna lie to you. My first response was, oh, "Okay, that's pretty cool." And it's and, <laughs> yeah, and, you're right. Look, I'm, I'm being dead ass, and it stopped right there. Because nowhere in the world is my boy looking at going to Georgia. If he wanted to go, he can go, but he ain't, he ain't going way out there, man. Mm-hmm. But then you know what? You start looking at it and start looking at what boxes it checked. And I'm gonna tell you one thing he said, and this is why he didn't want to do the LSU and why he didn't want to be Alabama. He said, why do I want to go to a team where I'm just one of the guys? I want to go somewhere where I can be that little piece to the puzzle that makes a difference. That was one of the reasons why he decided to come to Georgia because he knew that they were on the brink of something and possibly his contribution could help take them over. But just just what you just said, man, Georgia is kind of the new thing right now. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's it's crazy, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy. And they finally spending money. They finally spending that old money that been sitting there in that state. <laughs> Yeah, but, hey, that, money. Money, that, money, that money that was that was supposed to be for y'all but they, they, they didn't give us money Cole, but they, they, that money been sent back there with one clan yeah <laughs> yeah some, right 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 there's some old t-notes back there they spending yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. a lot of money the the they small face lot, benjamins right yeah small face benjamins <laughs> Now, you know, honestly, though, I think, if, you know, Georgia's on a brink right now where they can recruit nationally, right? You look at the 2020 class, Kendall being one of the guys, you know, you look at him, Darnell, right? All those, Keeley, all those guys coming from West Coast. And that tells me that Georgia right now, not even winning the national title is, you know, is on the brink of being able to sit there. If they win the national title, they're going to be able to go anywhere they want. They can do it right now, but I think it's going to be damn set. Anywhere you want to go in the country, doesn't matter where, and you're like, we're from Georgia. We're going to Georgia. Like, we're from Georgia. You know exactly what we're here for. Greg, I know you have to go, my man. Look, it was a pleasure having you on. First time. Loved it. Right, You got your cult following over here. Where can people find you, man? And obviously have a great day after the case, but... Hey, you can find me, matter of fact, y'all, or some of y'all, you can come to the game, said I, I work at, uh, I'm defense coordinator up at Reinhardt University, <laughs> in Canton, up 575, you know, a couple minutes away from that Braves Stadium. Come on yes, up, sir. check this out. I'm not far hey. away, I'm just, just right on the road, right up 75, through all that traffic. Hey, tell Cliff Matthews I said what's up, man. We, yeah, you and I, yeah, 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 we, we hoop, we hoop together. I, I score on I him a lot, so let me yeah, tell him. I gotta him. tell him. He's been on me all morning. <laughs> But hey, like I said, Greg, it was a pleasure having you on, man. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I know the brigade loved it. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Look, we'll have to do it again soon. I th- you know, look, it was just a pleasure talking to you. And it's nice to be talking to one of those dog legends, man. It's it's always fun doing that. Yes, sir. Good luck tomorrow, Greg. Thank you. Hey, hey, I appreciate it, man. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, man. You know, I enjoyed it. And hey, nice to meet you, Mr. Kendall and everything. Hey, hey I Milton, I yeah, man, come on, give me my give me my identity, man. Jesus, <laughs> Chris, Chris Milton. Yeah, Milton. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, look, I've been reduced to Mr. Kendall now. Good. Yeah, hey, no, I, I, hey. I switched it up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir.
Yeah, well, hey, well, like I said, man. Nice to see you again, man. Thank you, thank you, Rob. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Good luck to you all tomorrow. Thank you. Good luck tomorrow. Thank y'all. Y'all be good. All right. Hey, Chris. Don't 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 worry about that. You know, my uh, my my son has won uh, a couple of state championships, and they call me Mr. Ashton. So I don't even have an identity. I'm just Ashton's dad. So I'm. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, what it is. Hey, you Kendall Milton's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I I, I get that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's my son, bro. I just thought of something, guys. I have a question. It's ironic. You ready for this? It's ironic. Juan, your son, is playing in Buford, and he's going to Stanford. Yep. While Kendall came from California close to play at Georgia. Yeah. Oh, wow. How crazy yeah, is that? That is. That, that is a, that's crazy a, that's is a crazy that, situation. Yeah, Sam, I mean, same thing where, you know, I, I, I joke with him. I said, hey, JT came all the way across the country to play at Georgia. And now you're going all the way to go play it, play in California. So that's a, that's a pretty cool deal. That is, that's pretty tight. I, I just, I literally was sitting there thinking about it. I was like, wait, Ashton's committed to Stanford. Yeah. Kendall's at Georgia. Yeah. It's just all clicked. But, 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 but Chris, you know, it's the funniest thing because you, I, I thought the same thing where, you know, he's getting recruited out there and even going out there when we took the unofficial visit, I said, there's no way he's going to want to go across the country and, 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 and play. I'm not even worried, but, but I want to go to right. see, I want to go see the golden gate bridge and all that. So we'll, we'll go out yeah. there and have a good time. I stepped on that campus and I, I was almost like, I'm, I'm going to make the decision for you, buddy. You're, you're coming out here at Stanford. And, and if I have to get my belt out, we're going to, you know, I'm going to have to get my belt out, but we're, we're going to, you're going to make it out here. And, you know, and, and he just fell in love with the program, fell in love with the coaches and, and, and all that. So, you know, it's, you know, as parents, we're thinking there's no way that this is going to happen. Then all of a sudden, you know, there there's something there uh, at Stanford. They're they're you know on, on the verge of something something special um, yeah, that he yeah. just wants to be a part of. And I love the story that you just talked about with Kendall. Um, you know, I, I, I think those our, our kids have more of a feel for it than we would ever understand. Um, yes, and and, and yes. the fact that he made that that decision you know, makes dogs fans happy. We love to see your son going out there playing, giving it all he has. And so, you know, we, we are thankful that he saw what maybe you did not see or, or, or other people, his friends or coaches and all that, you know, uh, you know, may not have seen. And now he can look and tell everybody, hey, you know what? I, I'm on the verge of, of winning a national championship. And it's a big one. This is going to be yeah. a big one. You know, and I, and, and, and I think one of the things was, you know, I think, and, and you as a father, I'm sure you can attest to a lot of this. So that's why it's kind of cool having two parents on right now. Um, you talk to a lot of people and they think that the parents are moving the puppet, puppet strings. Like we're sitting at home and we're telling them, nah, you going here and you going here. That's not how it was at all. Uh, Kendall, if you if anybody ever had a chance to hear him talk or interact with him, Kendall is like an old dude. He's a he's a like an old black man from Louisiana. This <laughs> yeah, this that's dude awesome. Been here, he didn't been here before. You know right, I mean? so right, we right, give, right. We give him a lot of freedom in his decision making, and so it was just the same as this. So just a just a cool little story. The way we finally decided that he was coming to Georgia was we all met in the kitchen. And it was the morning where he was going to decide. And, you know, we, we said, all right, Kendall, have you decided where you're going to school? Because once he said his final, we said, all right, you need to decide. You need to pray on it and you need to see what God puts in your heart and then we'll come back. And so that, that morning we all woke up, went to the kitchen said, Kendall, have you decided what you want to, where you want to go? He said, yeah, I have. I said, okay, this is what mom and I are going to do. 
We're going to text you right now. You're not going to open the text message up. I'm going to text you where I think you should go. Mom is going to text you where she thinks you could go. But you're going to tell us first where you want to go and why. So his answer was, I want to go to Georgia. And he gave us a list. And sure enough, he opened his text up and I said Georgia, mom said Georgia. That's awesome. So that was that was that was a cool little that was a cool little just experience to be able to go on. But my whole thing was my my boys, they they stay on my head. I said, so what you're not gonna do, I'm not gonna tell you where to go to school for you to go there to be unhappy and then talk shit about me your whole time there because dad, dad made me go dad. yes that was that yes. was yes. identical to my like process in the military <laughs> yeah yeah and then that happened to my older son my older son you know he didn't he didn't play sports but um he got early enrollment at georgia and and we thought for sure that that was where his choice was going to be he, cho he chose to go to georgia state which was a shock mm. but just like you said if he goes up to georgia and has a horrible experience that's on us and you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna put yeah. that on us and then so it became, you know, it was between, you know, Stanford and Duke, you know, for, for, for Ashton. The only thing that I said, my only two cents was, you know, if, if you want to go to Duke to have to go and say that you had a great education um, and say that I graduated from Duke, then that's what you should do. But if we're looking at if you want to play in this, if you want to be in the top 12 to try to go for a national championship or if you want to, you know, maybe have a chance to win a, 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 a conference championship. Duke's not it. It's just not it. Um, nope. But and I also had to tell him, I said, you know, don't don't look at it as 17 year old Ashton when you're making this decision. Be 40 year old Ashton, because I can promise you right now that 40 year old Ashton is going to be looking at, at, at it and being like uh, that, that this is a no brainer. Um, and, and that's how you have to have your decision making. Can you look outside of your age, you know, to say, OK, this is what's you know, th th this is what happened to me. And, and from a humility standpoint, he loved the fact that he said, you know, the, the coaches out at Stanford said, hey, you can be the top guy um, on the campus. You could be this Heisman Trophy candidate. You can be all world. Um, and people don't care because you in class, you could be sitting next to the nuclear, the next nuclear physicist or the next person right, that's going to be, you know, la launching a space shuttle or, 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 or having a whatever. So so they don't care. So if, if anything, it, it's more of a privilege of you sitting down there next to somebody else. And and, and that's the type of kid he is, is where, you know, if, if, if we praise him and say, oh, man, great game. He's like, OK, that's enough. You know, I just yes, you know, I just yes, want to get yes. and, and, and focus yes. on on the next thing. So that, that that's a great thing to. Um, a, a great thing that he has, um, and, and a lot of that you, you you can't teach it. You know, you can you can try to, but you know, a kid either has that humility standpoint or has their reasons why. Just like you said, Kendall being like a forty year old guy, you know, he's the way he probably processes and looks at things is from a maturity yeah. level that's out of this world. And as a parent, you can't beg for a better situation than that. No, and I think and I think that's one thing that it's it's refreshing to hear a lot of the stuff that you're saying to see how you you mirror the process that we went through. And I think I think it's really imperative now because I know for me, I'm, I'm outspoken. I'm very uh, I'm very communicative and I'm pretty transparent with um, specifically the people that I talk to about this journey, about the family, you know, that type of stuff. And honestly, what I wanted, what I'm trying to do is change the narrative of how they look at our and I'm not making this a race thing, but it's important of how they look at our young minority men.
And I think our young minority men are placed into a box. They're placed in, in this narrative is attached to them. They look at a lot of these young minority men and think when they are um, top tier athletes that, well, they, they must come from this home environment, right? They, make, they must come from this financial structure. You know, that's why when you hear a lot of the, the high profile black young men, when they commit to a school, oh, they must have got paid. You don't hear that about any other athlete, but you hear that right. about our young, our young black men. Well, every kid isn't there for the same reason. This is why I speak up. This is why it's, it's so good to hear it. And it's so good for you to articulate your thought process because we have to retrain people to let yes. them know that yeah. there, there's family structures outside. And don't get mad when me as a black father speak up and all of a sudden call me LeVar Ball. Because, <laughs> right, because, right, right, exactly. Right. Don't don't, don't yeah. do that because you would call me deadbeat if I said absolutely nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I you're think right. this is just a, this is just an opportunity to help train people to help shift some of the unconscious biases that are out there to let people know, listen, man, we all come from different stories and don't assume what my story is. And I promise you, I won't assume what yours is. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you're so absolutely I, right. I, I like I like this correspondence. I love I really it. And, and I'm looking at Jay. Jay, you you hit the nail on the head is everything starts with family. And, you know, one of the things I don't like hearing when it actually comes to, you know, African-American athletes is, oh, they're very well spoken. Um, as if that is supposed to be, you know, a, a, a compliment or, or, or whatever it is, you know, you're speaking a certain dialect, you know, speaking a certain language where people can understand. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's one of those things, like you said, it, it starts in the home, but it's a, it's a generational thing. And I was very fortunate. My, my, my father is, a, um, he's an engineer. Um, he was an engineer at Procter & Gamble, went to Tuskegee um, Institute. But one of the things he taught me early, and it was me and you know a couple of my cousins, um, it was, was you know just speaking proper English, you know, or, or speaking in a certain way. So what he would do is every summer he'd give us, you know, he'd ask us what we wanted. So we would want either a remote control car or like a little scooter or something like that. So he would put in a bank a little account. This is the money that that you're going to get for that. Every time you speak incorrectly. If you say the ain'ts and if you don't use words or you speak words that you don't know the meaning of, when I ask you, I'm going to take money away from you. Mm -hmm. And he's like, mm -hmm. you can't not talk. You have to talk so that you're able to communicate, um, you know, when you're in any situation yes. talking to anyone. And so that was always something that was that that was great for me that I made sure that I taught in my my own home. Um, and, and, you know, and, and then, you know, just making sure I'm raising my kids in a way that, hey, you go out there, you be respectful. Because I'm pretty sure that you said to both of your boys, when you leave this house, you are representing the Milton last name. <laughs> so just so you know, yeah. this is this is this is this is who you are. And so, you know, I've, I've definitely been blessed. My older son is uh, he's doing a two year program to be an anesthesiologist assistant. Wow. Um, you know, I've got a son that's going to Stanford. My daughter is uh, 13 years old. You know, she she's in middle school right now, but um, it, it, it does. It, it starts in the home. It starts in the family. And, uh, you know, what, what, what you've done with your, you know, with, with your with your sons, um, Fresno State, um, great college, Georgia, great college. It, it's just awesome to say that you have kids that are graduates, you know, and, 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 and the yeah. ones that's, you know, going on. And then, of course, you talk about, you know, your, your son getting into the real estate and just getting into something that he has a passion for. Again, that 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 starts early. You know, you have, you know, hey, set goals. 
you know, set goals on, on what you want to do. Where do you see yourself in the future um, outside of wanting to be a football player? You know, wanting to be, like you said, a, a, a top athlete and you know, oh, they won't they come from this home or they come from this or money or whatever. And they're only seeking one thing. Um, right. So I, I love your story. I absolutely, absolutely love it. I think I think the changing the changing in the way that I parented um, are the are the parent that I became. I can't say that I always was like that, but the parent that I became, um, I became a lot more transparent with my boys. Um, you know, I think a lot of dads specifically, we want to be this superhero at home, and we we carry this persona that we are without fault, or if we are with fault, we sugarcoat it so we don't look as bad. I let my boys know what type of f up I was. Yeah. I let them know. <laughs> I let them know exactly what my decisions were, were made. I let them know exactly um, what what I put at risk at certain points in my life. Because when I come and sit you down and tell you, dude, you tripping, and this is the reason why. I want you to know that there's credibility with what I'm telling you. That your dad was a knucklehead. Right. You know, right. Going, right. Right. Going up. Matter <laughs> of fact, all you got to do is ask my dad. <laughs> ask, ask right. Granddaddy what, right. What, what I took, you know what I mean? So I think right. the transparency right. is what really is what really shifted my kids' thought process because then they knew, okay, my dad with the shit, I can talk to my dad. Like, and I tell them, dude, here's the reality: tell me the truth, no matter what. Tell me the truth. I don't care how messed up it is, right? Whatever right. the case may be. Just don't let me get surprised. We'll work it out together. Just don't let me get surprised. Love it. And I thank I thank God that my kids have been true to that. So I think for me, that's what made the difference in the way that I parented. That's why I ride with my kids to this day, and I go to I go to war for my kids. I tell people, you can talk shit about my kids if you want to, but I got bail money. Right. And I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. An open man is a misdemeanor. When I right. close this up. This right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that 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 is, and 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 I I agree with you know with with, with Joel. It, it, this was a was an awesome show. I, I love your humility. I mean, you've got a great son. You can go and say my son this and beat your chest and and, and all of that. But but again, e even you know what what you're talking is true. You're showing your vulnerability right now um, on, on a podcast, you know, just, just, just talking about, you know, the, the, the different things that, that, that you're going through. And, and to me, this is what, you know, the, the military is about this, you know, obviously you, you, you serve. And I, and I tell people when you talk about military, I mean, and, and, and I'll ask you this, Chris, um, do you know any of the people here in Buford that you served for? No, I don't. Probably not. Do you know any of the people in South Carolina that you serve for? So for you to lay your life on the line to serve for people that you never met, you may never, ever meet, that takes a special person. And, and, and so when I truly say thank you for your service to you and to Robert, thank you guys for your service because there are people that you will never, ever meet, but you guys went over and risked your lives. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, just like the Bible says, there's nothing greater, you know, than a friend that is willing to lay down his life, you know, for, for his friends. And, uh, you know, it, 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 you, you are, 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 you guys are exemplary in, in, in everything that you do. Um, and, you know, and, and those things translate. It looks, you know, I, I look at your story and everything, you know, military wise as this Georgia defense, these, these brothers, they love each other. They, they lay, you know, you know, proverbially, 
you know, proverbially, yeah, I'm, I'm like you, Robert, today. I can't even get it out. But the, but with their lives on the line, you know, lives on you know lives on the line for their brothers. Um, yeah. and, and and that's what I love about this Georgia team. I love you know this Georgia team. You know, it, they're special. And the fact that I'm pretty sure that you know when you just talked about you know Kendall being in that leadership um, role, um, you know, he has a huge part in in, in what's going on, and uh, he he's the reason for the shift. Um, in this Georgia team. And he's, you know, one of the reasons why we are all so excited about, you know, what what's going on. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, so, you know, the funny thing is, and Chris, when you came in, you know, obviously, Juan, you talked about, you know, laying your life on the line for people you don't know. Regardless, if you're in the military, you do this. However, I do want to make sure that if you're not familiar with military service, you know, right now we're in a situation where it's voluntary and, you know, I want to make sure that people that join the military through a draft, I want to make sure that you're, uh, well, uh, you know, you're thanked as well because you embraced the suck. I did mine willingly. You did yours forcefully. Yep. So the fact that you did your service by force when you didn't want to fucking do it, I give you more, I give you more props to anybody that did it willingly because you, you did it when you didn't want to, right? I wanted to do it. I have my reasons, and we can talk about that in just a second. But I have my reasons. Chris, were you a uh, were you a draftee or were you a voluntary guy? I was a volu- I was a voluntary guy. Kind of the same thing. Had my reasons at that certain time in my life, and that was a, that was a decision that I made because of doors that I closed on myself. But it's crazy. Um, this last week, my grandmother had a stroke, and so I had an opportunity to go and spend a week with the family. And my dad and I spent a lot of time together and it was really cool because we had a really good conversation, man. My dad um, served in Vietnam, um, did, did a tour over there during the war um, and everything. And I asked him, I said, okay, you're from Alabama. What made you come to California and join the Air Force, man? Like what, what made you decide? I had no idea, man, until a week ago, he told me, he said, well, I went in because I knew my number was coming up. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, everybody had a number and they would constantly let you know what number they were on. And I knew my number was coming up. So rather than just wait for them to come scoop me up, I just said, you know what? Let me just, let me just go ahead and get this thing started. And I was like, damn, dad, I, had, I, I like had no idea. And I don't know why, but that shit hit different. Mm-hmm. It's just him, just him going down the mess voluntarily, taking the oath and say, I want to be a soldier. Like that shit hit different to know my pops watching the news and he find out that they on number 700 and he's 706, right? And so that's why, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I, I, that's why I have a disdain. I have a disdain for people who, who politicize our military. I have a disdain for people who throw the word patriot out. I have a disdain for people who join militias and walk around in fatigues and all this other type of stuff, but haven't been brave or man enough to take this oath, right? Mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. We we donate money to political campaigns, but yet we'll pass disabled veterans that are still on the corner out and, and with starvation and mental health issues. Our priorities are screwed up and we scream and celebrate things that fit our agenda. Amen. And that, Amen. And that pisses and that pisses me off. And I've gotten to the point is don't tell me how much you love your country until you show me a DD two fourteen. That's all 
All I'm going to ask, I want to see your GD14, and then you can show me how much you love your country. And the only reason I take that hard approach is the way people try to take the military, the way people try to speak for vets, the way people tell you what the vets, I, I'm 80% disabled. I'm 80% disabled, right? I don't tell everybody that now, I guess I told everybody, but the thing is, but the thing is though, as vets, as vets, we go through stuff. We've gone through stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you really care or do you only care because it fits your agenda today? That's what upsets me about this whole politicized viewpoint of how we do our military and how just this country as a whole has become. And I'm sorry, yep. that's my soapbox. That's my hey, soapbox. But preach, it, it, preach. It is preach. what it is. Man. Yeah, preach, man. Preach. Preach, preach, preach. Yeah. You're right. I, 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 again, that that's you being vulnerable, you know, and 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 that's I think a lot of times what is is what we need, um, is 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 people being vulnerable and just being honest. And I appreciate, um, you know, I I definitely appreciate that, and I I appreciate you. Um, and then for me to sit there and really put in any input and say things about the the military and and you know and all that would be just it would just be crazy. Except for you know what, thank you. How about that? You know, yeah, I'm with, you know, the funny thing is I'm with Chris, right? I look, you look, Chris, you probably know this. There's a significance to the number 22. Do you know what that number signifies in regards to the military? That's a suicide. 22 a day. Yep. 22 a yeah, day. Dude, I, I just, I just got goosebumps over my body. Same. Just got I, goosebumps. And I'm not going to discredit anybody that didn't join the military. Because I know people that willingly want to do it, but the, the barriers of entry stop them from doing so. So I'm not going to discredit anybody that doesn't do it. Because, like I said, there's people out here that want to do this willingly. And I respect the hell out of that. But you also have certain things you cannot help if your health is a problem. Right, you can't help right. Some of that, right. But, you know, obviously you look at situations where, like, Chris, you mentioned about the 214. Uh, to the to your point, I'm going to specify that I want to see an honorable discharge on your DQ14. That's the other side. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, Chris. You know this damn well, man. Like to get a dishonorable or you know something like that, like especially dishonorable, you have to fuck up. Like it's bad. You have to completely fuck it up to get out on a dishonorable. But you know, look at this right here, though, right? You know, and I'm, I try to stay out of politics. I felt like when I was in the military, I was in the middle of it because you saw sequestration. You saw, you heard about it in the news. You, know, it, you feel like for me being like super low and listen, I felt as if I was a scapegoat at times. And I don't want to feel like that because I'm doing what I'm doing willingly for other people to sit there and try to bash me. But at the end of the day, I understood it isn't about me. It's about everything else. It's more than me. And I think that's a general concept that, you know, folks in the military understand. And I think, you know, relating this into football, your team mentality tells you that, right? Be a part of something bigger than yourself. You know, for me, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go on a soapbox tangent here for a second, Chris. You know, I, when I joined in 2010, I wanted out of high school, right? I wanted to go in. Uh, well, not really. I, I guess for me, like, I joined in out of, like, desperation almost because of the recession at the time. Y'all probably know what I'm talking about. The Great Recession back in 07, 08, whatever but, you know, there were no jobs for me to go out here and try to get. I, I wanted to go to school uh, faster than the financial aid situation wasn't going to work. Uh, you know, bills don't stop, right? right? Bills don't stop. 
So you got to do what you got to do. And, and, and to one thing here, I look at it this way. Everybody joins for a reason, and it's okay to have different reasons. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own reason for joining. And, and you hear different, you hear different, every, you, 100% of the time you're going to hear different things, right? That's just the way that goes. And for me, it was a job, and it was money, and it was education. But at the end of the day, also thinking about it, as my, and my, as my time transitioned through, it became more than that. You know, it, it's something that, you know, I, I look back and I didn't even think about it, but it clicked in my head. To, uh, 9-11. I was in fifth grade. And I remember getting out of school early because I didn't know what was going on. We just knew that yeah. the teachers were freaking out. I go home. I go to the day. I go to where I got dropped off of school. Go home. My mom's sitting there crying. And she comes up. She hugs me and my sister. And, and she just cries. That shit stuck in my head. As I got older, I understood exactly what happened and, and the importance yeah. of that. So that carried, you know, kind of carried me through. So, you know, while I look at it as why I initially joined, I didn't have no plan on joining the military. I was the first in my, well, outside my grandpa. But for me, you know, I didn't think about it that way. I was like, it's a job, it's money. But then as I got in and I started doing, you know, my job and everything, it became more, right? My reasons changed. You know, so you understand your concept. And Chris, I don't know if you ever deployed, but if you ever deployed, if anybody in here has ever deployed or listening, you understand because when, when you're stateside and you're not deployed, you know, you think one thing and you, you wonder if you're, you know, what you're doing is meaning, you know, meaningful, mm-hmm. but when you deploy and you see it on the front line or not, not necessarily a front line, but you're a lot damn closer. And, you know, depending on your job in the military, you're, you see your job and the purpose that it has blatant purpose. It means more to you. So for me, my deployment, when I only had one, my deployment, showed me my purpose and why I did what I did, you know, because like for me, I, I dealt with, you know, I just dealt when I was deployed, I dealt with uh, supply logistics. But then you see planes taking off, you see bombers taking off and you know damn well what they're doing and the, and the purpose that that has, it means more to not saying that it doesn't mean anything stateside, but it damn well showed me exactly my purpose when I deployed. Yeah, yeah. And, and to the families too, you know, my, my, my stepfather was Army. Um, and, you know, and for him to go and, and, and be gone for you know months and months at a time and then and then to come back and then, you know, go in and serving his time doing the Army Reserves, you know, a, a, every other weekend. And, and but just to mm-hmm. see that brotherhood and, and see all the you know, he was at um, Fort Gillum. Um, that's, uh, uh, you know, down in, the, in, in uh, almost South Georgia. But, um, you, you, you know, you, you have an appreciation even as a family member of uh, of the sacrifice and, and 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 what what you guys do and uh you, you know there, there's nothing like it in the world and, and like i even asked you chris you know there, there's nobody here in buford that you know that you you that you put your life on the line for but you did it and 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 to me that that that's that that's more amazing than than, than anything in the world you you've got all these superstars you know these basketball players who who, who think that they are all world and they think that they're big stuff but it's nothing compared to somebody that is you know, willing to lay their life down on the line for their country. You have that much love for your country, not just your family, but people that you'll never, ever meet. Um, that that's just, you know, that, that that's mind blowing in itself. Hey, Chris, 
what's your craziest military story, man? It's military story time right now. So let, I want to hear your craziest military story. It doesn't have to be like weird, crazy or not like that. Yeah, the, all, yeah, the, only, favorite thing, story. the only thing, the only thing is uh, mine is going to have to be basic, man. Like I said, I was, um, I was, you know, the logistics and all of that kind of stuff, man. So I didn't do it. It was computers and that's what I was doing. Right. Mine honestly happened in basic, if I'm going to be real about it. I was in basic and, you know, we had our dorm guard. It was probably two o'clock in the morning. And I remember I was knocked out just like the rest of the rest of my squadron, man, the rest of my flight. And all I, all I know is the dorm guard came and woke me up. He was like, chief, 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 in the bathroom, in the bathroom. Got up, ran to the bathroom. Man, there was a dude laying in the middle of the floor, wrist slit inside the bathroom. <sighs> trying to commit suicide in basic. And I tell you what, it was crazy, man, because you didn't even, I didn't think, I didn't think about the fact that it was a white boy on the floor. I didn't think about the fact that he was from a different side of the country than me. I didn't think about none of that. I just saw a dude on the floor covered in blood and I'm like, dude, you're not gonna die in here on me, partner. Yeah. You're not, you're not leaving me with this visual for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing that to me. So, man, hey, so we did what we needed to do, get him out of there, um, get him get him set up, got him out of there. What was what was pretty effed up was he he, he thought he was just going to be able to go home if he didn't kill himself, but now he had to spend all that time in psych. Yep, 319. And, bro, so so that for, for me, for me, that was my craziest time other than the times where we traveled to the, to the different military bases and I'm dunking on those Marines, dunking on those baby boys. <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. That's when I realized, <laughs> that's when I realized down, at 20, down at 29 Palms, man, we, we played hoop down there, went down there, and I poked on this dude. I was a, I was a hooper. That's what's funny. People see my size now. I was actually a hooper, man. I, I was jumping out the gym. I poked on this dude, man. He ended up rolling my ankle real bad. I had to go to the hospital. Oh. That's when I that's when I realized. I'm like, hold on. The, the Marines don't even run their own hospital. It was Navy boys that came to pick me up. So so I talked shit to all, that, all my Marine boys, man. But that's... You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't deploy. I didn't go to war. Um, I supported the troops that did do that. Um, that was, that was my job. It was what it was. Um, so I didn't have those crazy stories, but I, I had, a, I had some in my own right. I'll tell you right now. I know Juan, you've got to head out too, but I know yes, we've, sir. we've been going on two hours. Look. Yeah. Hey, I'm Chris, all, it was I'm nice to meet you. Um, you too, man. Hey, good yes, luck this weekend, uh, Georgia by a thousand. Um, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait. Looking forward to following your story, man. Um, you know, you know, th this was a blessing for me. Yes, uh, yes. Chris, it's been amazing, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Robert. Y'all have a great weekend, man. I'll catch up with y'all. Go dogs. I got you. Go dogs. Too. Hey, Robert, I got to prepare for an 11 o'clock call too, so I can start my Friday, man. So, all right. Hey, look, I'm if anybody in the brigade wants to stick around, I'll tell you a quick, a crazy story. Before you leave, though, Chris, have you ever had camel? Who? Camel. Like Joe nah. Camel. Oh, nah, bro. Nah, bro. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. telling you right now, it's delicious. It's delicious. Nah, I, I, I'm just going to have to take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, before you head out, though, man, I do want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you, um, you know, and, and reach out to you and things like that. Hey, I'm just on Twitter, man, um, at Father of Ballers. I, I'm, I always tell people, man, I'm a, I'm a dude first that just happens to have kids that play. Um, I, I love interacting with people. I'm a fan. 
of the game and I'm a fan of people, man. So if you want to tap in, if you want to have difficult conversations and, and some good answers and all of that kind of stuff, man, tap in with me and, you know, hey, talk to me. I definitely talk back. And I know we've done that in the past and, you know, and I'm sure, you know, obviously, you know, want to make sure that everybody's aware. Look, it's not just, you know, it's not just Kendall Milton. It, you know, there's more to it. Obviously Kendall is a big part of why dog nation is, you know, familiar with yourself and, and the family, but you know, there's more to it. So if you have anything and you want to talk to Chris, look, Chris is going to talk to you about anything and he's going to keep it as real as he can with you. I know from experience. <laughs> so look, if, if you have questions, I'm sure he won't mind. So, yeah. you know, Hey, but look, no, I, for I, do real, want, yeah. I, I do want to thank you. Obviously, thank you for your service, you know, from one vet to another, you know, a lot of, yes, I don't sir. think a lot of vets do that to each other because we hear it so much. Yeah, you start to tone it out, but I do want to say yeah. thank you for your service. Obviously, you know you got me to a situation not doing it before me. So, like I said, dude, thank you for your service there. Um, but look, I hope you have a great day, a great weekend. You know, go enjoy the game. Are you you're gonna be in California? You're gonna be in Georgia? Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, I'm here in California. Uh, Kendall's mom flew out there. As a matter of fact, she's on her way to Athens right now. So, gotcha. He'll have a representative there, regardless. Um, I'll probably make the trip in a week or two. Copy that. All right. Look, like I said, it was a pleasure having you on. I know it's been a long time coming, but I'm glad to have you on. It was a pleasure. Yes, sir. I look forward to do it again. Uh, have a great weekend, and I'll catch you around, buddy. You too. Thank you for your service, and go dogs. Appreciate go you guys. dogs. Go dogs. All right, baby. All right. I'm in. All right, guys. That is all for this portion of the podcast. Make sure if you're watching, stick around. I'll do a quick Q&A. doesn't matter if it's military or football-related. Stick around. We'll talk about that right there for this episode. And like I said, better to stay episode. Have a great weekend. Looking forward to Georgia whipping the shit out of those Missouri Tigers. And go dogs. This is the DGD podcast. Go dogs.